want you to underestimate the importance and the impact of your testimony. He said, listen, I don't know theology, I don't know soteriology, I don't know eschatology, but I do know one thing, I was blind and now I see. Friends, listen to me. People can debate the Bible with you. People can debate theology with you. People can dis disagree with you on doctrine, but it's impossible to argue with a changed life. You know what time it is. Time for another train wreck. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two pastors in New Mexico are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. I'm Matt Hensley, the pastor of Mayhill Baptist and managing editor for Lifeway Pastors and grower of Bodacious Beards. And, and I am Kyle Beerman, the pastor of First Baptist Church of Alamogordo, New Mexico, and director of replanner development for the North American Mission Board. And together, Matt and I bring a combined 31 years of ministry experience to the table, and he still likes to make bogus claims about his Bodacious beard. It's beautiful, though. <laughs> it is. It's something. It really is. But this episode is sponsored by none other than Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And you got to hear a little treat from one of their chapel messages before uh, the episode kicked off, because Southwestern is all about preaching the word and reaching the world. And in our opinion, are the absolute pioneers when it comes to faithful text-driven preaching. We're grateful for our sponsorship with Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary because you could say that the sun never sets on swivets, so now it doesn't set on not another Baptist podcast either. Uh, but that clip, though, Kyle, uh, really started off this episode, this special episode that we have in store because you could say that we have a reputation, right? Uh, no comment. I mean, your future self will thank you for being honest here. From sea to shining sea in the SBC, like that rhyming? I mean, Adrian Rogers would be proud of that. What would, would you not. say that you are most known for? Uh, I put up with your nonsense weekly. Come on. Your ability to stand before 9,000 people and wax <laughs> no. eloquently about the greatness of Dr. Russell Moore and forgetting to ask the question. Well, here is a question for you, Kyle, non-alcoholic beerman. What's in store for our listeners today? Uh, yeah, and, and just to be clear, at the time I asked my, or I didn't ask my question, there were about nine hundred people in the room. Definitely not. 9, yeah, everybody 000. left at that point. <laughs> they, but they, I like they, my they're, version they're of the story oh, okay. much better. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, hey, you mentioned the ERLC, and speaking of the ERLC, Daniel Darling. Can uh, can we the, talk? Hold on. Can we talk about that last name? It's it's oh. so cute. No, stop. All right. So so Daniel Darling, who who uh, works for the ERLC, said of the book that we're discussing today, he said it will not beat you up, but it won't make you feel warm and fuzzy. Instead, it's a gospel saturated, science based approach to stewarding your life. Drew Dick is one of the most arresting writers in the evangelical world. So go get this book today. It will be the one impulse buy you won't regret. Does that have anything to do with self-control? I, I, I mean, think he's saying, I think he's saying suspend your self-control to buy okay, this book suspend about it for this one. Yeah. Well, that is Kyle's way of saying that Drew Dick is on the show to talk about his new book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science, which is also a biography about the life and ministry of, well, me. 
Uh, not, not really. I, I think we all know that I have the spiritual gift of unself-control or lack of, I don't know if that's a word, but let's start with the formalities. Drew, tell us who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about your family. Will do. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I'm, I'm getting over the intimidation I had um, overseeing your beard because I, I have a pretty, <laughs> pretty uh, modest beard compared to yours, Matt. Um, so yeah, let me get this out of the way right away. I'm Canadian. So I grew up in Alberta, Canada, pastor's kid, grew up in the church, going to church like four times a week. Um, and maybe that's why I'm not a pastor today. Uh, no, I have a love uh, for the church, for the local church and for pastoral ministry. The way I describe what I do, though, I work in Christian publishing, I've been an editor and author uh, for various places, including Christianity Today. My day job now is as an editor at Moody Publishers. Uh, and basically what I'm doing day in and day out if I'm not writing my own stuff, I'm editing other people's words and creating resources for church leaders. So I'm the support staff. Guys like you are in the trenches. I'm, I'm happy to support what you're doing. That's kind of how I see my role. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, eh? Hey, hey yeah. <laughs> I've lost my accent, though. I've lost all my, my Canadian credit. When I go back, because I've been down here almost 20 years, so when I go back, they say I sound like a Southern politician. So I'm very suspect <laughs> north of the border. Oh, goodness. That's funny. Uh, well, first off, let, let me just apologize for anything else that Matt may say uh, from you. here on out, uh, because you. there's there's no telling. Uh, but let's start off with a quote that, that kind of serves as the premise of your book. And that is simply, the biggest threat to our freedom isn't any external enemy. It's our inability to control ourselves. I firmly disagree, because I think my greatest enemy is my mother-in-law. Oh, well. Drew, what do you mean by this? Well, if I don't know if we're going to agree, right? If mother-in-law is the name that you have for your lack of self-control, then fine. <laughs> I agree. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So you see what I did there? No, nice. I think I think that's true though. Like you think about, there are certainly challenges externally. Uh, there's even you know uh, threats from the enemy, temptations, you name it. But let's face it. At the end of the day, you know when people have moral failures, uh, when they sabotage themselves in various ways in ministry it usually comes down to a lack of self-control or an unwillingness to, to kind of do that battling against the flesh. Uh, that's what I've found. I think sometimes when we see someone who has had a moral collapse, we look at that and we go, oh, look at that. Satan poached another one. Uh, and I mean, that can happen. Certainly uh, Satan pl plays a role, but let's, let's not let ourselves off the hook because often it just comes back to a deficiency in this important area of self-control. So, so I think oftentimes people will look at their lives and they'll ask things like, why can't I control my anger? Why can't I stop overeating? Why can't I, you know, maybe even something as simple as why can't I stop wasting time on social media? You know, why do I put up with Matt Hensley every week? Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> those universal questions. Yes, yes. yes, the, the, yes. The questions in life. Yeah. Um, and, and that's honestly, I wish I could say people do that. I, it's been a personal struggle for me. You know, this is what attracted me to the topic. Initially, I wasn't even trying to write a book. I was just kind of frustrated by my own lack of self-control in certain areas and started reading up, of course, on what the scripture has to say about the topic, looking at some of the the other literature out there on it. Yeah. No, and I, when I read Romans 7, of course, you know, that's the the struggle that Paul describes, the, the um, thing I want to do, I cannot do, and the very thing I do not want to do that, I keep on doing. Um, and when I read that, it's almost like he's reading my journal because that's been me, you know, and I think a lot of people are like this. We have uh, the information. We have enough theological knowledge to know what we should do. 
Uh, but where things kind of fall apart is in the actual execution, the day-to-day living to actually live a godly, healthy life. And so that's what drew me to this topic. And I'm just hoping that the things that I discovered as I researched on it will be as helpful to other people as it has been to me. Yeah, and I think I think some of that kind of goes back to you know what what I've seen. I, I think it might be Casting Crowns that has the song "The Slow Fade." You know, it's right. it's not it, it's not the guy that wakes up in the morning and says, "Hey, I'd like to have an affair today." You know, it's there. There's usually the first step of seeing the woman, then thinking about the woman, and then just step by step, it, it's kind of that slow fade where you 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 don't just trip into it. You you kind of run straight forward after decision, after decision, after decision of, in this case, as we're talking about self-control, a lack of self-control or the little sins that kind of lead us into that. Is that kind of what you're, you're going after there? Absolutely. I think we, we tend to think that our lives are defined in these big climactic moments where we either resist a big temptation or do something courageous, but you're right. It's those thousands of tiny little decisions that can lead us down paths that we really don't want to go. Uh, and so that's what I encourage people to do is exercising self-control in the day-to-day. Another big part of this, you know, virtually every leader I've known who, who has um, disqualified themselves from ministry uh, because of some sort of moral failing, um, before that ever happened, they had neglected their relationship with God. You know, and that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the cruel irony, I think, of ministry. Sometimes we can uh, get to the place where we're uh, only opening our Bible to teach it to others. We're only praying in public. Um, and so that, that's just deadly, right? Because your soul withers and you, you neglect that vertical relationship with God because you're constantly tending to other people's souls and, and um, worrying about other folks. Um, and I think that often precedes these, these failures of self-control. Yeah. Um, so if we're going to walk this back j- just a bit, what, what was it that led to this, this insight? I mean, you might, you might call it unsettling insight into your own lack of self-control. Yeah. And I, I don't want people's imaginations to run away and think I'm out there <laughs> robbing banks or something uh, or doing something especially sinister. Um, it was it was garden variety stuff. But actually what alerted it alerted me to this problem in my own life was actually New Year's resolutions. I love doing them. And every year I would set like five or six of these resolutions. And they weren't all just like lose weight, exercise more. But some of them were like, read my Bible every morning instead of jumping on my phone first thing. Uh, pray every day, you know, consistently. And year after year, I was just astonished because I'd be so confident when I set the goals and then I would fail to actually uh, follow through on them. So that's kind of what put it on my radar. And, um, and I found it really helpful to think intentionally about some of the patterns in my life and, and um, come up with a plan to create, initiate new habits that actually change the patterns that I had in my life. Yeah. And I, I think that ha- having just been able to to skim it, we just got a copy of this, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, uh, but having a chance to skim it, uh, a lot of it reminds me of, you know, I, I joked about it being a biography about me, but <laughs> I, I've struggled in that area. And, you know, I used to be almost 300 pounds um, and not because, you know, I had genetic stuff going on. It was because I had no self-control when it came to eating. You know, I right. got up and, you know, usually didn't eat breakfast. And then lunch was typically going to be on the border uh, or Olive Garden or something like that. Super heavy and super filled with calories, all of that kind of stuff. And then not doing any exercise other than walking to and from my car and the office and all of that kind of stuff. And so I blossomed to a voluptuous uh, 300 pounds. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, then, you know, the beard was, you know, kind of covering up my uh, quadruple chins, you know, so I didn't know that I was nearing going to have to have a quadruple bypass. But, you know, then then the self-control kind of turned into getting up every day you know, setting the alarm a little earlier, setting out the running shoes and, and different things like that. So that essentially all of the excuses that I could make up that either I'm running late or, you know, what whatever I could come up with, it was already taken care of me because I made that decision before night. And in my case, made the decision before I went to bed, this is what I'm doing in the morning. This is what I need to have done so that it can happen. You know, the coffee set on an auto brew, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm ready and I can bust out the door and go running. And, uh, and then, you know, end up losing 140 something pounds. Wow. And, and uh, awesome. you know, it was, it was great, but it all came back to making that choice to, in, in that case, getting up earlier, setting the alarm, all, all the decisions that have to be made. And, uh, you know, as, as pastors, I think Kyle has, has posted something similar to what I've posted. You know, we've, we've seen it online where Sunday morning worship is a Saturday night decision. You know, it's, oh. it's not something that if, if that alarm isn't set on Sunday on, on one of the only days that you have to sleep in, there's a bunch of different things that you would probably rather do on on Sunday, at least if you're not uh, paid by your church to be there. <laughs> and so that's the call and I were, you know, we're, we're paid to be there, so we don't have a choice, but everybody else pretty much is going to wake up and make that decision. But if they decide the night before, we're going to set out my Bible, set out the keys, set out my, you know, my journal, my pen, all of that kind of stuff. And that's the first thing I'm going to see when I get up, we're going to get up, get the girls up, you know, or, or get the sons up, whatever it is, get the wife, all of that. And we're going to go to church. And so you make that decision before, and all of that comes back to self-control, whether it's bad decisions or, or good decisions, is making that decision kind of before you get get into that position in the first place to either mess up or do the right thing. Yeah, that's powerful. I, I think pre-decision. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and as you you alluded to a little bit a moment ago. Uh, by now, all of our listeners are aware, certainly, of the. Uh, the fall of Frank Page, the mm. um, executive committee president, the you know the fall of James McDonald, uh, pastor at Harvest, or or the more recent Houston Chronicle expose. Right. Uh, what, one of the things you you alluded to a moment ago was how self control is always going to be a central role in those those scandals, and uh, and mm. ultimately will play a role if Kyle and I are going to be in the next you know, scandal, you know, we're, we're going to fight against that, <laughs> but self-control you, you believe is the root of it. Why, why do you think that it all comes down to self-control? Yeah. Well, and, and when I was writing the book, I remember um, as I was writing the whole me too thing was blowing up right in the news. And for a while there, it seemed like every day there was a new politician or Hollywood executive who was uh, caught up in some scandal um, and then, and I think some uh, Christians were feeling a little smug because we we're kind of like, oh yeah, there you go. Hollywood, after years of promoting sexual license, they're finally getting their comeuppance. Uh, and then of course the whole church two thing happened where all kinds of victims came forward saying that Christian leaders had, had abused them in some way. And most of the reports sure seemed to be accurate. And for me, it just underscored the importance of this topic. It's kind of a grim reminder of the importance that you, you can have um, incredible skill, and if it isn't balanced by strong character, you're in a, a precarious position. Um, and I think, you know, in our time especially, it's easy to kind of isolate the skills of a leader. So if you're a, 
a brilliant communicator or uh, awesome thinker or whatever it is, especially through the internet, you can kind of build a platform and, and that's all that people see is your skill. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much of that skill you have, if you don't have self-control, if you don't have the strong character to support it, uh, yeah, like I said, you're in a precarious position. So I think it's crucial. Let's face it, for church leaders, the stakes are higher. You know, I've said that, and some people have taken exception. Oh, no, we're, you know, priesthood all believers, and that's true. It's it's essential for every Christian, don't get me wrong. But when you're a Christian leader and you go down, you take a lot of people with you. Not to get too, uh, too uh, morbid about this whole thing. Uh, so, again so important and i think sometimes there's a tendency to kind of revel in our brokenness and just go oh what can we do you know we're all sinners which is true and and just kind of have this lackadaisical attitude about our sanctification frankly um but man we gotta i love the the quote from the puritan john owen be killing sin or it'll be killing you that that's crucial we need to kind of get that tenacious urgency to do battle with our flesh and of course we don't do it on our own we are empowered by the holy spirit and that's the good news of this topic God doesn't leave us to do it on our own, but it is crucial that we engage in that battle. Yeah. So as we're as we're wrapping up kind of part one with you here, um, let's give our folks something practical. So tell us about your self-control training. Yeah. So, you know, one thing, and I alluded to this already, um, I really wanted to start every day reading my Bible. Sounds simple enough. You'd think I would do that already, but sadly, my Bible reading was quite sporadic. Um, the problem was I found that every morning when I'd wake up, I'd roll out of bed and reach for my nightstand where my smartphone was, right? And I'd start the day on social media. And that, not that there's anything necessarily that bad about that, but it wasn't the way I wanted to start the day. I wanted to start the day in God's word and, and with a time of prayer. Um, but I realized I had a habit, and this is where habits are so crucial. I won't get into all the weeds about exactly what a habit is, but you're kind of conditioned to do this automatic routine, and you do it unconsciously. I'd be like half asleep, just reaching for that phone. So finally, what I had to do, I realized I had to grab the phone, put it on the other side of the room, out of my reach, take my big black Bible and plunk it down on my nightstand. And that way, when I woke up, I was conditioned to reach for something, to consume some content. But instead of it being Twitter or Facebook, now it was my Bible. Um, and it's kind of similar to what you were saying about, you know, deciding the night before, okay, we're going to go to church in the morning, or I'm going to eat this, or I'm going to exercise, right? You just don't leave it to your willpower in the moment to do the right thing. You kind of make a plan and you make it difficult for yourself to engage in that unwanted behavior. And so it's a little trick, but it's been incredibly beneficial because I don't often miss now reading my Bible in the morning. And that's the best way to start the day. Um, we are here to fill your bank account. That's, that's why we're here, Drew. Oh, I like so you guys. I we're like we're going to give you a chance to to share where people can get their copy of your future self. Will thank you with a uh, cute little pug. It's it's a normal dog that ran into a wall and uh, squished its face in, but it's looking at some uh, cookies there. And uh, Very I, I have a complaint. I have a complaint. Oh, it me. looks it looks like raisin cookies. Can you yeah. promise me it's chocolate? No, I can't. And I was, you know, it was, it wasn't until the book was out for like a few weeks that someone pointed that out. And I said, oh my goodness, you're right. That's an abomination. And I don't have anything. Yeah. I don't have anything against raisins per se, but I don't like them hiding in my desserts. Yeah, so, exactly. for sure. Well, hey. we'll tell our listeners where they can grab a copy of uh, your future self. Well, thank you. You bet. There's a little independent uh, bookstore in Seattle called amazon.com. Mm-hmm. 
You may have heard of it. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably the best place to get it. Actually, Lifeway is good too. I think Lifeway right now has the cheapest price, if I'm not mistaken. It's like a okay. buck cheaper there. Uh, so yeah, either way, man, be super appreciative. And then don't just read it and be a weirdo and never tell me what you think. If you read it, reach out to me. I'm not hard to find. I'm online, Twitter, whatever. Get, you know, Tell me what you think of it either way. Good or bad. <laughs> well, well, speaking of grabbing and speaking of Lifeway, if you haven't grabbed a yeah. copy of the Christian Standard Bible, <sighs> we encourage you to head over to csbible.com after the show to grab a copy of the Bible that we believe has found the near-perfect blend of readability and accuracy. Matt and I both use it in our daily Bible reading. Which and, takes self-control, by the way. Yeah, see yes, see what I did there, Drew? That's right. I like that. That was smooth. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you, or if you're a smartphone addict, you can also find the CS Bible app as well, right? True. The CSB app. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and self-control not to click the mute button on you, Matt. That's not nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I both use it for our daily Bible reading and our preaching, and we encourage you to check out csbible.com. But for now, it's time to hop off the train until next week when we'll join Drew again for part dos. Uh, we're grateful you took the time to listen in today. And if you haven't, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. You can also visit us online at notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Facebook under Not Another Baptist Podcast because we're so creative like that. Or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast because Twitter wouldn't let us fit the entire name of our podcast on it. So Kyle, send us out. Until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you